Welcome to the Contemplative Creative Podcast. This free audio recording is made possible through gifts by people like you. Please consider making a donation or purchasing some of the goods we've made available through the support page of our website to help us offer unique audio teachings on the internet and to grow this community library. Thank you for your support. Waves of creativity come and go, but if we look closely, there is a pattern to the cycle. Will I ever write a great piece again? Do I have another melody in me? Will I be able to create another great photograph that's as good as my last success? Is my best work behind me? Hello again, and welcome to episode number 19 of Contemplative Creative, an audio podcast that tackles the deeper philosophical issues of living in a dynamic, modern world. The goal, uncovering insights so that we can each choose to live more intentional lives with meaning. My name is David Quiring, and I will be your host. It has been a few weeks since I've released a podcast episode to the wilds of the internet. Instead of apologizing, I ask you to understand. Life has been busy lately, and inspiration has been shy. Rather than forcefully pushing content out to you, I chose instead to give it some space to ensure that each podcast episode is of a quality I can stand behind. I don't want to waste your time, or mine. In the midst of searching for my next topic, though, feeling lost in the momentary lack without anything concrete in front of me, I couldn't help but ask the question, do I have another quality episode in me? And if I do, where is it going to come from? Sometimes the creative muse is elusive. Ironically, this tends to be the case when we put pressure on her to perform. Like those, for example, who take their creative pursuits from a hobby towards a career. In this case, if the muse evades you for too long, you're going to start having a tough time paying your rent and I seriously doubt that the landlord is going to grant you leniency when you tell them that you're just waiting for the muse to appear so that you can do your work. This common understanding of inspiration being the result of fairy dust or something like that implies that ideas just come out of the blue. They do not, as we all tend to learn as we go through the creative cycle over and over again. There's something good about that idea, though that ideas come from a source beyond us. It shows a certain humility. But it comes from a time when we credited the gods with everything. While on one hand it allows us to avoid hubris, on the other, it allows us the luxury of avoiding responsibility for our own creativity. And again, that excuse is not going to fly with your landlord. The pros who make this lifestyle sustainable will be the first to tell you that most of the time you have to get to work and prepare fertile soil for the ideas to take root. It takes a little something to get them going. It is to their wisdom that I nod today, mixed with some of my own personal insights. Personally, I've been stuck in a place of inspiration scarcity lately. 
A month ago, I was in the midst of a nasty cold that was surprisingly effective at clouding my mind. Through the fog, the world was still moving around me, and an invitation arrived in my inbox to speak at an event for the Society of Graphic Designers of Canada. Despite feeling low, I said yes to the gig, thinking that the mental fog I was in would surely clear by then. Fast forward to two days before I take the stage, and I was still waiting on my elusive friend inspiration. Other times the ideas seemed to flow very freely, so much so that I can hardly jot them down fast enough before they disappear into the ether again. The moment it becomes forced, though, nothing. It's kind of like quantum physics, I think, in that if you look at it too closely, it will not do exactly what you expect it to. But again, like quantum physics, this doesn't mean we can't seek to understand it and work with it from this understanding. When we're in creative drought, the mystery around the source of our creativity is all too evident. Why is it that there seems to be a natural ebb and flow with creativity? I can't help but think that there must be some reasoning to the madness, and if we can somehow understand it, perhaps we can better work with its cycle riding the wave, so as to speak, instead of merely being swept up and down with the rise and fall of its whims. Writer's Block The struggle to create a second album And the perplexing fact that most podcasts don't make it past episode number one. Judging by the prevalent evidence of others hitting similar walls too, I don't think I'm alone in seeking to understand the creative source a bit better. And so, I present to you my working theory on the source of creativity. Footnote. I reserve the right to change my mind on any of this, as my life, after all, is the ongoing experiment on which this is based, and curveballs always seem to come out of nowhere. (laughs) Firstly, I would like to differentiate between creation that follows a set procedure and spontaneous ideation. The latter is where I'm aiming my crosshairs at today original or at least unique ideas that seem to come from somewhere within. I think that the seed for this sort of spontaneous creativity lies in the spaces between our experiences. The most creative people I know tend to be the ones that live the most interesting lives, and I don't think that's by coincidence. They seek out things that push them beyond their comfort zone. They allow themselves to get excited about things like we all used to when we were children. They keep an open mind and are always striving to learn more, be it through books, conversations, anything. They're always looking to learn more. In other words, they don't sit around waiting for life to happen, but instead choose to get out there and cultivate an interesting life. And that's something we can all do. Steve Jobs once said that creativity is merely connecting the dots, which is actually a pretty good picture for what the brain does. Each individual experience becomes a new point of reference, a dot, if you will. Many of us may have single dots in common. It could be something as simple as the fact that we all learned the alphabet in elementary school. But add on a few more dots, such as Choosing to take a shop class, working the night shift, volunteering at a hospice with people who are dying, 
taking a gap year to travel far from home and soak up an alternative culture. Or even just talking with a stranger at the bus stop. As we begin to amass dots based on our choices, it's pretty clear that we will all amass a very different collection of dots. And the sum of a lifetime of experiences becomes a beautiful complexity that results in each of us being uniquely our own self. The mystery comes in because we are largely unaware that this is going on in our heads as we walk through life. Subconsciously, our brain is quietly making these connections between our experiences, whether we're aware of it or not. And from this background processing, both our unique character and our original thoughts bubble up to the surface of conscious thought. The more experiences, dots, and the more divergent they are, the more interesting the potential connections may be. But ideas come to us in the shower, though, right? Well, kind of. They're not exactly flowing from the shower head into your scalp. They're popping to mind because the shower happens to be a place where we aren't actively busying our minds, and this passivity is what opens us up into a state of receptivity from the subconscious. While experiences, like I talked about, are a key part in ensuring fertile ground for ideas to plant, passivity is required to actually have the ideas take root. If ideation is about collecting and connecting dots, then it's the collecting which we can do intentionally. The connecting is a passive act of incubation, and that takes time, and also doesn't have to be limited to just when you're in the shower. Life is busy these days. One of the problems of having distractions always available to us is that we're not forced to encounter and learn to value the state of boredom. Why is boredom valuable? Well, for the purposes of this discussion, I want to suggest that boredom is a valuable state of mind as it often happens when we are transitioning from a functional and information-consuming mental state to a creative and imaginative one. Now, what do I mean by this? Let's say I come home from work in the evening. My work tasks have all been completed and I find myself on the bus. My functional mind that I have been using at work all day now starts to get bored because there's nothing to do. It wants some information to consume, a distraction. It does not want to have to sit still and simply be because it finds it uncomfortable. At this point, what normally happens is we reach for our phone and distract ourselves by reading the news, sending a message, playing a game, listening to a podcast, or entering the infinite scroll that is social media these days. This re-engages our functional doing mind, and it distracts us from our anxiety while also alleviating the discomfort of boredom. But let's say we are feeling bored on the bus and resist the temptation to distract ourselves. Instead, we just let ourselves feel bored sinking into it patiently. What we find will then start to happen is our mind will begin to shift from a consuming, non-creative state to a slightly deeper, creative, contemplative state. 
Put another way, instead of looking to be entertained or distracted, our mind will start coming up with its own creative content and entertainment. It starts to produce rather than consume. Once this shift happens, we naturally transition out of a bored state of mind and begin to enjoy the relaxed, contemplative, imaginative state that our mind has now moved into because of having patiently tolerated and moved through our boredom. Staring out the window isn't necessarily a waste of time. Basically, what I'm advocating for here is to cultivate two different things in our lives. Number one, continually push yourself to have diverse experiences with an open mind to cultivate fertile soil in the mind. These are the dots. And number two, make space each day to allow yourself to be bored and to do the work. This is the passive connecting of the dots from which creativity arises. When we find ourselves feeling uninspired, try to stoke the fire by getting out and doing something outside of your comfort zone. If you stay inside and don't do anything, well, there's an old saying that goes, from nothing comes nothing, and I think it rings true. When we find ourselves getting bored, Instead of looking impulsively for distractions, we can mindfully relax into that state of boredom. This, in turn, will enable us to transition from the non-creative functional state of mind to a creative, contemplative, self-entertaining state. And in this creative state, we discover the part of us that is the artist and philosopher in our life, the part of us that is self-directed and self-entertaining. This part of ourself enjoys thinking for him or herself, enjoys finding her own opinions, and enjoys seeing things from new angles and thinking that have not occurred to us before. We could go so far as to build this into our routine. Every day, block off a period of time to sit down and work, whether you're feeling inspired or not. It might mean sitting in front of a blank, text document on your computer for a while. But if you can stop yourself from browsing to Facebook in another tab, then I'm willing to bet that that blank page will fill up once you get past the boredom. Committing yourself to the work opens you up to your creative potential, and you'll probably have something at the end of it that never would have existed had you sat back and waited for it to manifest out of the ether. It takes work. And focus. The word inspire literally means to breathe in. Inspire. Breathe in. While a deep breath is invigorating for sure, I don't know anyone who takes one deep breath and then goes about their day holding it. You also need to breathe out, or you're going to black out. If an inflow of thoughts and ideas from experience are our act of breathing in, then our work is our act of breathing out. Playing with the connections between the experiences, with words, music, a camera, or whatever tools or medium you prefer, is the way we exhale. When our lungs are clear, the repetition of the process is possible. In and out. In and out. Again and again. The ebb and flow and us riding the wave as best we can.
And, well, that's my working theory on the ebb and flow of creativity. I talked about this in a fairly general sense, but it can really take many forms when applied by each of us. There's a really interesting book that pops to mind that dives into the routine of many artists, and I find it a very fascinating read. The book is called Daily Rituals, How Artists Work. And in it, Mason Curry, the author, dedicates a page or two to each artist outlining their daily routine, from people like Beethoven to the Japanese author Haruki Murakami. It's really interesting to see the overarching similarities and surprising differences to each of their approaches. I encourage you to seek it out and read it with an open mind. The paper copy is available most anywhere. Try your library or favorite bookstore. Or it's also available as an audiobook on Audible, where I can offer it to you for free if you're a new member. The folks over there have set up a link for our listeners, which is over at www.audibletrial.com slash contemplative creative. It's free to sign up, and if you cancel within the 30-day free trial, you get to keep the free welcome book that you chose for as long as you want. I recommend the Daily Rituals book by Mason Curry, but the offer is also good for any of the audiobooks in their massive collection. Again, the link is www.audibletrial.com slash contemplative creative, or I'll put the link in the show notes and you can just click it there. And that brings us to the end of another episode. The best way to support contemplative creative continues to be helping us spread the word about what we're discussing over here. We want to keep this thing going and growing, but we can't do that without you, the listener. If you enjoy this podcast, please share a link with a friend. And if you don't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That really helps other people discover us amidst the growing noise of the internet. And we'd really appreciate it. In the meantime, you can stay connected with us between episodes by joining Contemplative Creative on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Links to all of that and more are over at our website at www.contemplativecreative.com. And that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Waves of creativity come and go, but if we look closely, there is a pattern to the cycle.